Oof! What a what a situation. Yes. Aren't you the technical difficulty oh. king today? <laughs> Let's try this again. Mental Podcast is a show dedicated to individuals and mental health professionals, providing support, information, and some candid conversations along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle and Seth. Starting this episode out, it's kind of been like how my week has been. It's it's been traumatic, I'll I'll give you that. (laughs) Yes, yes it has. <laughs> Should we just quit? <laughs> do we, do we no, really want to run a podcast? What the hell is going on in your house? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> my mother called me and it came through my computer while I'm sharing computer sound. Okay. Oh All my right. God. All right. Let's let's get this under control, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Mental. And if you are tuning into this conversation on Facebook Live, I want to apologize because my Zoom just went away. It just closed in the middle of sharing sound with this with the show and everything. And it kind of speaks directly to how this week has gone. But but first, welcome to Mental. And let's check in with Michelle Collins, my co-host, well, who for, I am so happy is here. First of all, Jordan's asking what ancient deities you've angered, Seth. <laughs> I, I think you missed I've most ang- of it, Jordan. Like that, most of it happened before we even turned the camera on. He, his camera wouldn't work. His microphone wouldn't work. Nothing would work. Yeah, I had to completely restart my computer. But like for real, my camera wouldn't work. My mic wouldn't work. My audacity. My uh, what the. <laughs> garage band wouldn't work <laughs> nothing was working so i restarted it thought everything was fine and then it clearly wasn't i would just like to say that i was here on time and all my shit worked you know what <laughs> the one time that happens then you take credit okay okay can we talk about the many other shows that we've had where i've been sitting at the computer for 15 to 30 minutes i know Please. i'm a busy person i don't know what you want me to say Seth. Whatever. Well, whatever. How are you? <laughs> I'm much improved over the last week. <laughs> How are you? Now, what are you staring I'm at? <laughs> I'm I'm here. Okay. I'm uh, I'm here. Uh, Alrighty then. It's been a, This is gonna be good. A, uh, I don't know. Are you I afraid so now? Many, I have all kinds of notes. I prepped for this and everything. And you just see you what can't happens p- when you plan. Apparently, this is a by the seat of your pants kind of production, my friend. <laughs> it's something, <laughs> but let's 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 legit start our show. Okay. Welcome to Mental, Michelle. <laughs> Hi, let's talk welcome about to Mental, week. Seth. <laughs> I know my my week was really 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 bad. Um, yeah, <laughs> actually, it's been two weeks of really 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 bad. Well, I I. I was ill. I don't know. It's probably not common knowledge. I have celiac. And unfortunately, gluten is in things that you do not realize it is in. I know how to check all my food and I'm pretty good about that. But apparently your supplements can have gluten in them as well. And I did not know that. So I ended up ingesting gluten for five straight days. And I kept getting sicker and sicker and I couldn't, I knew it was a gluten reaction, but I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And so I was still taking my supplements and not realizing. And so the fifth day I went, oh my God, (laughs) this is what it is. And then it's off to the races. Uh, I've never, I've not been that sick. I can't even tell you. And it honestly, that entire week, I, I couldn't eat. Nothing stayed with me. That following Saturday, I was so dehydrated. I had slept on the couch all night because the stomach cramps were just amazing. And I slept on the couch and I woke up Saturday morning and I was so dehydrated. Every time I stood up, I got dizzy. I uh, felt I was going to pass out. My muscles were cramping. Literally the palms, the muscles in the palms of my hand were cramping. My fingers were curling in. My toes were doing the same thing. I had Charlie horses in my biceps, in my calves, Uh, which kind of scared me because that's pretty serious dehydration. I was home by myself and I literally at one point 
thought, I got to get up and go get an IV. I, I really have to go do this. And I sat up and everything got dark and I said, fuck it. <laughs> if, if I can get up when I wake up, I'll go then. And I went back to sleep. Um, so I never did go get the IV. So it took me a little longer because I had to rehydrate the old fashioned way and try and get as much water in me as possible and fight with my body over that. So I'm feeling pretty normal. Life is not completely normal yet, but much, much improved. So yeah, dangerous thing. So, so anybody that thinks it's just a, oh, you get a little upset tummy, you are wrong. <laughs> it's a serious, serious thing. So that was my week. <laughs> Well, for people who don't, I mean, I think you pretty much described it, but like for people who don't know what celiac is, is it like a an allergic reaction? To it's not gluten an allergy. Or and like, what no, is it? It's not Fill an allergy. In. Some people are allergic to gluten and so they'll have allergy-like symptoms. Um, other people just have low tolerance for it and they get some mild symptoms. It's not necessarily an allergy. People with celiac actually have an autoimmune disease, which means it can take this much gluten. It can take barely anything. It's not that the gluten's in your body. It's that it turns on an immune response in your body and your body literally starts producing white blood cells like you're ill, except they attack your own body. And they what they specifically attack is the lining of your small intestine. Okay. And so they just destroy okay. that. The villi or the little finger-like things in your intestines, those get destroyed, mm -hmm. which means you cannot absorb any nutrients. Oh, wow. And literally everything just... It's an ugly subject, but it, you it. hold nothing. So then thinking about, you know, you're not holding anything. Did you lose <laughs> any weight? I lost 10 pounds in a week. Well, I would love that. Well, I, I mean, didn't. The process I wouldn't <laughs> love, but that end yeah, the result would be great. <laughs> well, but the whole point of what I'm doing right now is trying to put on muscle and build. And so I definitely was going in the wrong direction. I literally ended up lower than I was when I got on the stage to compete. Oh, wow. So it was, it was pretty severe. Um, I'm mm -hmm. still only back up four and a half pounds. So I haven't even fully recovered what I've lost yet. I think my hydration level is pretty good, but you know, it, it ebbs and flows. So, but today's, uh, I, I just told Seth before we started this, I sat down, like I was hungry, like, and I have not been hungry and I was hungry and I'm like, I'm going to eat something. And I had like this gluten-free lasagna and I've never had it before. Most stuff like that I don't like. My son said my son has celiac as well, and he's like, "That is the best lasagna." I'm like, "Okay, we'll give it a shot." I literally had the most gigantic piece of lasagna, and I ate it in like ten minutes before we decided to start recording. And so I'm sitting here, my stomach's going, "What the hell did you do?" <laughs> so it, it's just your body trying to get used to nutrition again, you know. Well, and I think we. I think we now know who angered the spirits. It yeah, wasn't it was me, me apparently. it was you. Yeah, but I you did it two weeks lasagna. ago. <laughs> you ate lasagna 10 minutes before oh. this episode and look at all the problems we no, had. No, 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 no. The problems are in your house. My All my shit worked. So <laughs> I think, I think, well, I think you pushed it over. No, no, uh, no, no. You don't get to, you don't get to project this off onto me. Oh, come on. Yes, I can. No, no. I literally, this is one of the first times I've smiled this week. So. Well, <laughs> I'm happy to see that. Yeah, me too. You know, it, it, having physical health issues sucks, yeah. right? Like there's no like nice way of saying it. No. But we also know that physical health can impact mental health. Oh my gosh. Correct? Yes, very much so. So how have you been holding up there? Well, life is kind of all in a disarray right now. And I know it feels like that's always true for me, <laughs> but there's much more so than normal. And we'll get into this more as we start our topic. But as you know, I started therapy, mm -hmm. which is very daunting. And I say that with a codicil, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it because it's valuable. And if you need it, you need it. Yeah. It's just daunting. And of course, this month we're going to be talking a lot about trauma and I have quite a lot of unresolved trauma in my life. And mm -hmm. I finally have reached a point where I said, this is time. It's time. But in so doing, I had to make some pretty rough changes to my household. And so that's been a very big stressor this last week. And in the midst of that, being sick on top of it. So my mental, my mental game has been way, way off. 
Yeah. I was working. I was still going to the gym. I still only missed like one or two workouts, even with as sick as I was. Well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I feel like anytime I message you, like I, text I know I'm at the gym <laughs> or I polo you or like if I ever try to communicate with Michelle Collins, <laughs> there is a 95% chance yeah. she is either at the gym and that other, okay, so 95% <laughs> chance she's at the gym. The other 5%, she's driving her car in road rage. Yes. Like that is- That's my life. Those are the two, the two <laughs> Michelle experiences I encounter it's very, very when true. I try to reach out. Very, very true. And my eyes were really bad this week. So every time you sent me something, I literally couldn't even see it in the gym. I could see that you had sent me something. I couldn't focus on to see what it was. So I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. Like, cause a lot of times I'll answer you or whatever, but I was like, right. last night I was like, I got nothing. I don't even know what that says. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to wait till I get home. Well, I did um, send you like eight pages of notes. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> so I was prepping. <laughs> but I want to first, first of all, I want to provide uh, props to you because I think seeing a therapist is a really big deal. It is. And I know for a lot of people, that's like, you know, they'll do anything and everything uh, until they, they end up at the door of a therapist. And Well, and I did you know, for years. So. Yeah. Well, let's talk. I mean, so in, in your, you kind of said it was daunting, right? It's daunting just because I know for me, the things that are uppermost in my mind related to trauma is quite a bit of stuff. And yeah. so I, I chose a therapist, of course, who specializes in trauma. Mm -hmm. I really, really like her. She's funny. We, you know, we sat down, we first sat down together and we started talking and, and she, um, she dropped an F-bomb and then she stopped and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. That's not really professional. And I didn't say anything. I was like, it's all right. It doesn't offend me, you know, and we went on. So at the end uh, of that first visit, um, and this was a little bit back, but she said, um, so, you know, a lot of times people want to think about if they want to, you know, do another, another appointment or not, maybe we don't mesh or, you know, whatever. And she's trying to, you know, easily right. say, you don't have to come back if you don't want to. And I said, no, I'm good. Let's schedule. And she's like, oh, okay. And I said, and I'll tell you what did it for me. And she goes, what? And I said, you dropped an F-bomb. She goes, I feel so bad. I said, no, see, that makes you a real approachable person. And I need to know that that I can feel comfortable if I need to drop them because trust me, they're going to drop. Right. So, you know, but anyway, she's just, she's also an instructor at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she teaches specifically on trauma. So, you know, it felt like somebody that had a pretty good command of the subject yeah. and hopefully had some, some ideas with how to, how to treat it, you know? So we'll see. <laughs> We'll see. And it, it, I like how you mentioned the F-bomb uh, story, like as if that was the hook. It was the hook. It was. Uh, and that, that's kind of comical, right? Uh, because we, I mean, at least for me, I was raised in, you know, Southern Baptist Christianity. Yes, we yes. didn't believe in cursing. No, we I wasn't raised with that, it either. We didn't believe that good Christian people did that. No. And now as adult, if we can trust people or not, yeah. is whether they swear. Yeah. That is is interesting. Well, you know, I used to hike um, with some friends after I left church on Sundays, yeah. we would hike every week. And one was a friend that I had gone to church with for years. And the other was her mother. And her uh -huh. mother wanted absolutely nothing to do with Christianity or God or anything like that. And we would get into these conversations. And I was, of course, very angry because I had been kicked out of church. And so there was just a lot of shit coming out of my mouth. And mm -hmm. I remember one day, she's uh, her mother saying to me, she's like, you know what? I feel like I can have these conversations with you. And I said, Oh, and why is that? She goes, because you're real. I don't, she said, you don't have a problem throwing down some language and it, you're not trying to be all righteous and everything. And she says, I really feel like so many people try to fake this idea of what they're supposed to look like as a Christian, instead of just being a real human being. And mm. I so agreed with that. And so that's been kind of a barometer for me going through. It doesn't mean I don't trust you if you don't curse. I'm just saying that if you do, to me, at least I, I can connect with that emotion. I can connect with that depth of emotion. And because it is cathartic, there is a cathartic release that goes along with that. And I'm sorry, but after years and years of indoctrination, and especially if that indoctrination comes at the hands of abuse or anything like that, that induces trauma, often you need some cathartic release. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's that or hurt somebody. So if I'm going to drop an F-bomb or punch somebody in the face, any given day, let's weigh that out. Which one's going to be better? So, right. uh, yeah. So, yeah. Weird week. Yeah. 
And it sounds like unresolved trauma is the purpose of the yes. therapy. Yeah. That's kind of what you want to uncover. Is that right? I, I think so. Um, I also, I know this will come as a very large shock to many people. I'm also a terrible control freak. No. <laughs> I know. Um, of course, that is also indicative of somebody who's suffering from trauma because you're trying to control your surroundings. You're trying to control situations to be safe. And mm-hmm. so that has become a very big issue, which was part of the reason that I made a lot of changes around my household because I have a tendency to take over for everybody and to resolve things for everybody and manipulate how everything's happening so that I feel comfortable. But what that does is it doesn't allow everybody else to handle their own shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it increases my stress level because I'm handling all their shit. So it's, it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of things shifting and changing here at once, which is like I said, daunting, you know, and it gets a little mentally overwhelming sometimes. So I think daunting is a good word. It is. It's a dramatic word, I think. Drama. Drama. You're 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 no stranger to drama, Seth. So. What? You're no stranger to drama. But how no. are you? <laughs> You've had some upheaval lately too. <laughs> uh, I granted, okay, I haven't been going to the bathroom as much as you. So that. <laughs> Lucky you. That I have. <laughs> that I have in my bank, right? Like, Excellent. I'm not, that's just more not, information than anybody needs. <laughs> not in the bathroom so much. So I'm 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 happy about that. Uh, I found out I got a phone call on Monday. It was either Monday or Tuesday. I think it was Monday. Uh, I got a call during my lunch hour mm-hmm. at work, and was informed that one of the crisis workers that I worked alongside at my old job for four years. Uh, was found dead in his apartment uh, over the weekend. And he and I were really good friends. In fact, we would go, he would always take me to shows um, mm-hmm. at the Fox where we'd go see, you know, like live performances. He also was like a cat fanatic. He had like four and they were Abyssinian cats that cost like $500 oh my a pop. Gosh. And he was, you know, if I ever had issues with, with Manelli, he is the person that I would reach out to. Right. So that was pretty overwhelming news to receive, especially in the middle. Did he, did he die middle, from a disease or? or we literally do know? don't know. Aww. And he was 65. So the odds of them doing an investigation yeah. and finding out what really happened is. Minimal. Minimal. Mm. The only way it could happen is if his family requ- requested right. an autopsy, which I don't think he had much of a family. Oh, so, and hard likely- to find closure. Yeah, the likelihood of us ever knowing. Yeah, uh, that's up in the air. Yeah, and then so I think that was Monday, and I think it was the either two. I can't remember the days. Like I really, I, I can't remember the days. I think it was Tuesday. Manelli. Yeah, I know. Manelli was struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's pretty clear, and I mentioned in previous shows that, yeah. that she's blind. Uh, it was also pretty evident that Lizzie had given her ear mites. Mm-hmm. And due to the ear mites, uh, Manelli had scrapped, like, you know, scraped them and, like, had, you know, literally Raw pulling skin. out chunks of hair, revealing bare skin, and she was bleeding. and. I think it was Tuesday night. I was sitting in my chair and Manelli went to the bathroom. Like she went to her litter box, which is in the bathroom next to my chair. And after she went to the bathroom, she kept trying to leave the room, but she couldn't. She kept, you know, running into a wall and then Mm -hmm. turning and then running into a wall and then turning and then one running into a wall and then turning. Like she couldn't get out of the room. And it was at that moment I knew I couldn't do this any longer. Watching her suffer yeah, was fun. more painful than than putting her down. Yeah. And so I think it was Wednesday. I took her to uh, the Humane Society and uh, spent 210 bucks and killed my cat. Oh, well, you didn't kill her. You gave her well, rest. I gave her rest, but she's dead. She's Yes, gone. but she's not and in pain or discomfort anymore. And that, that, is what a, that is what a good, loving pet owner does. Yeah, I know, but it's hard. Uh, yeah, it sucks. And you lose a friend, but you can't say, I killed my cat. You didn't kill her. You took care of her. And it I know it still means she's gone, but the difference is that you did it from love. You didn't do it to hurt her. 
Right. I did. Yeah. But and like, it's hard because they're, they're a part of our family. We love our animals. Well, she had been with me for six years. Yeah. And she was, I think, 16, yeah, 17. So she was older. She was, she was yeah. older. So she had a really good life. I mean, I think that they say if a cat lives over 15, they've, you yeah. know, they were well taken care of. Exactly. So, um, it's evident she was taken care of. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to get her ashes, you know, like they give you her ashes mm-hmm. in like a really nice box and all of that. But that was going to be like $400. And so, wow. yeah, I uh, I couldn't do that. But I did get a Manelli paw print, which yeah. I'm picking up from the Humane Society tomorrow. I think they called me like literally the next day, which pretty much informed me she had been cremated and was legitimately no longer here. Right. Uh, but I'm going to pick that up tomorrow those are nice mementos i have that from one of my dogs and we did get his ashes we we spread his ashes on the hiking trails because he he did hundreds and hundreds of miles on the hiking trails so but it doesn't i mean it's still a loss it's a loss you know because they're our friends yeah you know we care for them we love them they love us and it's sad that their lifespan doesn't match ours one thing is, is Lizzie has now taken over complete control of the house <laughs> of and she, she thinks has. that she owns the place and clearly she's not grieving. Now, I don't well. know how cats grieve, but typically laying around asking for belly rubs <laughs> like 95% of the time. Do you think indicates- that maybe she's doing that for you, though, so that you have some connection? Well, well maybe, but I don't think Lizzie has much of a, a brain power. She's a well, cat. she's a baby. She's also a baby. She's not that old. She's a baby. Anyhow. She's a baby. She wants attention. So I lost one of my best friends and mm-hmm. I had to put down my cat this week. Yeah. In Rough week. the middle of, you know, I didn't take off any time from work. Yeah. And I worked throughout the entire thing, which in the end I think was probably a good idea because structure wise. Yeah, it yeah. kept me kept me structured, kept me busy, kept my mind off of things. But I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I had to teach on suicide on Thursday oh. and <laughs> for four hours. That's brutal. And uh, I, uh, yeah, I may have cried That's while okay. training. That doesn't happen very often. You know what? It was You're a like, person. You're a real person. You're entitled to emotion just like anybody else. And then I started doing role plays on like grief. You know, and like, that was a bad idea. Like, well. why am I doing that? Like, why am I pretending to be a client calling in saying his wife died when my cat just died? Like, it's yeah. a little too real. Right. Welcome. This is a real role play. Get excited. Right. But yeah, it was it, it was an emotional week. And I am very, very happy that it is Friday. I yeah, am thrilled. <laughs> it is payday. It is Friday. This episode is coming out tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, I'm just happy the week's over. Yeah, I, I've been counting down days, too, just to feel normal again. So you never know how ha- how normal and healthy you normally feel until you don't feel well. And then you're like, oh, I, I take that for granted. <laughs> I shouldn't really be more appreciative of that in the moment. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. So Let's... this kind of leads right into our topic because we yeah. both feel like we've suffered quite a bit of trauma recently. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm cert. I'm certainly feeling it. Of course. <laughs> uh, but I, so we're not. I'm feeling ag- it. Again, we do kind of a, a subject matter theme for a month, but trauma is a pretty big subject. So yeah. I think this month we had decided we're going to do more overview, and yeah. then possibly after that we're going to go into some very specific types of trauma, uh, or experiences of trauma. Yes, and yeah. in fact, I uh, we've actually received. Uh, people have actually used our hotline <laughs> and have reached out, and I'm so thankful. I never got the person's name mm-hmm. uh, in the in the hour and a half long conversation I had via text, but I got lots of great recommendations right. and ideas. Well, that's good. And really, what I'd like us to do this month is really focus, as you mentioned, on an overview of trauma, and then for the maybe an dare I say, <laughs> the remainder of 2021. Possibly. We, I mean, there's a lot of this. Yeah. We can pick specific things related to trauma. And I think the next one we were going to look at potentially would be domestic violence. Right. But, Very trauma-inducing. Yeah. It's going to be quite, quite the conversation. But I think that there's a lot that can be unpacked with that yeah. that will really be helpful for people. Yeah. And I don't know if there's really the greatest understanding of what trauma really is. 
And that's yeah. why I think starting this off with an overview is a good idea. I agree. What is trauma, Michelle? Uh, it's any experience basically that causes emotional and mental damage to you. Mm-hmm. We really can't say it's any specific event or type of event because each one of us is so different that something that traumatizes me may not have any effect on you. So it, most of us, however, I would say without a doubt, close to 100% of people can identify traumatic events in their life. And we would all shake our head and say, oh, yeah, I can see why that would be trauma-inducing. It, whether we feel it or not, I feel like we right. could recognize that for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So does that does that sound about right for you or do you have a different definition? Well, I mean, I think that that's a good definition. I mean, I, what we're really looking at is that trauma is a response. Right to something that is personally distressing. Mm -hmm. And I I really like how you mentioned it's in the eye of the beholder. Yes. You didn't say that, but that's what you Well, but that's what I alluded to. Yeah. Because you and I, right, we could witness uh, a car wreck. Yes. You and I could be walking down the sidewalk and we both see a car wreck. Mm -hmm. You could walk away from that situation feeling perfectly fine as if nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. Whereas I walk away from that situation and I can't sleep at night. I'm having flashbacks. I'm thinking about it. It's like getting to my core and I'm completely undone. Yes. But we experienced the same exact thing. Yeah. I think that's important. Well, it is because as we said, it's subjective. Mm -hmm. Every person experiences an event differently. And for some, yes, it's traumatic. For others, it's not. It's just an event. Again, and you you brought up a very good point. Often, if it is traumatic for us, it's because there's some trigger involved with it of yeah. an experience that we've had previously that brings that back. And so it's not really necessarily that event in and of itself, but what it represents in our mind. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the midbrain where all that stuff is happening – there's this response that we may not even recognize or understand, mm-hmm. but it's it's a very subconscious result of something that has happened to us. So, mm-hmm. well, let's. I mean, in talking about traumatic events, right? I think it's important just to kind of set the stage mm-hmm. with some statistics, oh, um, just yeah. kind of what's been going on in the world, what's happening in people's lives, but keeping in mind, right, that it it's subjective, right, and trauma can be caused by anything. Right. When we look at things that often result in trauma, research by the Centers uh, for Disease Control and Prevention has shown that one in five Americans, one in five, was sexually molested as a child. One in four was beaten by a parent to the point of a mark being left on their body. And one of in three couples engaged in physical violence. A quarter of us grew up with alcoholic relatives, and one out of eight witnessed their mother being beaten or hit. I'm, I'm 100% on. Are you really? Yes. I am, Are you really? I am the one in five or four or 25% or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Experienced all that. Yeah. I'm curious what your ACE score is. My what? Your ACE score through the Adverse is. Childhood Experience Study from the 1970s Never when they it. really look that Maybe up. I should. FYI, we're not going to unpack the ACE study today, mm-hmm. but if you're ever really interested in the impact of trauma and how it affects your physiological health, your physical health, check out the ACE study. It stands for Adverse Childhood Experience. And it's I'll like from the it 1970s up. or 80s. I'll look but, it up now. I'm interested, but and and maybe we should talk about it on another episode because it sounds like something that would be very useful. Yeah. Well, they essentially the ACE study it, it's it's tied directly to what I want to talk about today mm-hmm. um, in regards to trauma being physiological. Oh, so yeah. often we think about trauma being just up in our heads, and it's not. And th- there's so much research that shows that trauma creates. Um, an increase in cortisol, yep. which over time throughout our lives can actually shorten our lifespan and cause all kinds of health issues. Mm-hmm. And the ACE study was really one of the biggest studies that pulled that out of the woodwork and really brought that to light. But I want to talk about how trauma is created. We talked about it being a subjective experience yes. and that it is truly up to the person. However, when we look at the actual circumstances that are going on behind that, 
There's two primary ways, two primary experiences people have. The first is a highly intense environmental situation. Mm-hmm. So it's an episode, it's like a one and done. It, it's, it is that right. seeing the car wreck. Right. It's the sexual assault. It's the domestic violence, witnessing that or experiencing it. It's the physical abuse and neglect. But it's just a one-time, it's a one-time incident that's extremely highly, uh, highly intense, right. causing causing deep struggles. Mm-hmm. The other is low intensity. So not we're not looking at something like physical abuse or something like that, but low intensity with a high frequency. So something you're experiencing a lot. The first thing that comes to mind for me is think about the people in Ferguson. Yeah. After the Mike, was it Mike Brown? Michael Brown. Wasn't shooting that like and all that happened there and the constant rioting. Right. What was this? Which one is in Ferguson? I can't even remember. They uh, tore down the entire city, though. Yeah, it was it was a pretty intense few days. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember the name. I want to say Michael Brown, and I'm not positive that's right. Yeah, I'm not um, sure either. Yeah, I'll have to look that up. So, but think about low intensity, high frequency. So think community violence. Right. Think family abuse that's happening verbally. Right. It's not something that is they're beating someone, but it's constantly being put down. When we look at repetitive things that are high frequency and low intensity, it can cause trauma. Well, you know, when I was looking at the notes that you had sent, exposure to a single individually significant event, like you said, that could be a one off, a sexual assault or something like that, but it does produce that sense of trauma. Then you're talking about low intensity, high frequency. My thought immediately went to what about people and and because again this is what I experienced the very significant event that happened over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. and and I think for a lot of people that that is the reality um, when you're talking about domestic violence or child abuse or sexual abuse as a child or something, those are not typically one and done events. Those are right. ones that happen over and over and over and they feel very intense. They're, to me, that means high intensity means that it's, it's deeply damaging. And I, maybe I'm misunderstanding what that's saying. Well, um, but I, that's what came to mind when I was reading that. I was like, what about that? Because mm-hmm. that's, that's a reality for a lot of people. Well, it is. And I mean, I think it, I think it can fall into both categories. Mm-hmm. I would think and, so. And it you know and and it's not to say that one is better is worse than the other. I mean, I think situations can fall along this continuum, but I wanted to point out that trauma can be induced by a single event. Right. Or something that long-term. is more long-term. Mm-hmm. And if it's more long-term, it doesn't have to be as quote-unquote traumatic. Right. Truthfully, think about religious trauma. Think about being gay in a conservative Christian household. Now, are they abusing you? No. Right. But what is the messaging over years and over time that that can produce? That can produce trauma. Yes. But what I really want to focus on and and really where we look at a lot of the research that's been done over the last 30 to 40 years, um, we've found that when we experience these types of traumatic events, whether it's episodic or whether it's long-term, we have found that our threat stress response shoves our entire body mm-hmm. into a reactive yes. adaptation to where we are. We experience things. We are triggered. We, res- we respond as if we're back in that situation, yes. even though we're not at all. Right. And a lot of times we don't even understand the response. Uh, I've had right. I've had triggered responses in which uh, the, my temper went so high and so burned really so bright and like I couldn't control the anger and really had no reason for it except that something had reminded me. And mm-hmm. and I'm in the moment. It's almost like being separated from yourself in the moment going, why am I overreacting? And yet you can hear yourself doing this and it's just ramping up and you you literally have no ability to make it stop. And uh, it, it's kind of frightening. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Well, I mean, trauma is a body thing. Mm-hmm. And really, when we say that, we don't mean to minimize the emotional and psychological impact. However, it is the physiological systems 
that leads to the symptoms of trauma, which are aversive to people, not Mm -hmm. the events themselves. Right. And I want to highlight that. It is not the event itself that continues to create issues. Right. It's our body's physiological response. Just as you mentioned, Michelle, we'll respond to something and we'll be like, why am I responding in this way? Why am I why am I yelling right now? Why am I throwing up my arms? Right. And, and the truth of the matter is, it might not even have anything to do with your psychology, yeah. but everything to do with your body. Yeah. Trauma is a reaction to hot system dominance. When we are hyped up, when we are in that triggered place, it's not about the event itself, but the physiological response one has to the event. It doesn't matter what the event was. It can be different for everyone, as we've talked about. It is truly an individualized thing. It's a difficult topic. Are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I just, like I said, again, it's daunting because it's so large in scope. Yeah. And, and it feels a little overwhelming. And I, and, and I obviously can't speak for anybody else, but that's how it feels to me personally is, is to even discuss the subject matter is a little overwhelming because, because it feels so big. There's that feeling of how am I ever going to, how am I ever going to get through this? Will I ever get through this? You know? And, and I think that that is part of the reason that people don't often find help is because that those fears outweigh the desire to feel better. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, I know, I I also know that I'm sitting here and I know I feel a lot of people's emotions and stuff like that. I'm guessing that there are people listening who will be listening that are going to be coming out of their skin talking about it, just like I feel like I am. So it's, it's, it's difficult. Do you feel triggered right now? I don't know that I would call it triggered. Do I feel, I feel anxious. Mm. I feel pretty anxious. What's the fear behind that? That, that this doesn't go away that it still continues to control your life, you know? Um, because again, you know, I made a joke about being a control freak. Well, I am, but I think part of that is, is a response toward that feeling of, of what if I never get to be in control of this? What if this always has control over me? And, you know, I, it it becomes that, of course, at my age, it becomes almost, it almost feels like an old friend. I mean, sometimes the, the bad behavior is just easier than trying to to change it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, there's an old saying that says it, it's when the, when the pain of where you are becomes more than the pain of change, that's when you'll change. We've talked about change last month. And so, you know, the idea of trying to change, it, it takes a big impetus to do that. Yeah. It, it really does. And yeah, it does. you have to get past a lot of blocks. Like we talked about with that in order to confront things like this. So again, this, this is kind of a very intense, large subject, which is of course why we're going to give it a lot of time. It just makes sense. <laughs> Lizzie. <laughs> Lizzie is comic relief. <laughs> I'm really sorry, but Lizzie no, has jumped awesome. up on my desk seven times in the last five minutes <laughs> demanding attention. She wants attention. Here she is again. How I dare cannot you? win. Let her so, sit on your lap or something. If there is purring on this Aww, episode, I would like that. please know I tried. I would like now, the purring. <laughs> trigger is a pretty big word right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. In I don't like that word, society, honestly. Yeah. On social media, yeah. like it's all over. So let's just talk about that for a second. What do we mean by trigger? Uh, I don't know. I, everybody, I think, is probably going to have a different idea of what that means. I don't honestly like that word because I feel like you said it's overused. It is. Everybody's triggered. (laughs) And and, and it, I think that after a while, when you use verbiage like that, you, you tend to normalize it and it loses the punch that it actually should have because it's, it's a serious thing, you know? And, and so triggered means something has reminded you body, mentally, emotionally, something has reminded you of a previous trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, but we, again, we've normalized it and we use it for every little thing. And right. so it's, it's, it's kind of dismissed now by a lot of people it because is. of that. It is. Yeah. Well, the issue is it just gets, it gets overused so much. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about trigger in the context of trauma, right? we're talking about something very specific. Yes. Uh, we're talking about environmental cues. Right what's happening around you that 
activate your body, right. like that activate you to a point at which you're as if you're back from when the actual incident occurred. Right. We literally respond, and I want to really talk about this because I'm going to go here. As a mental health professional, I've worked with lots of counselors when I was working with the crisis line, and I, I definitely do now in my current job. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I would often hear, specifically when I was working for the crisis line, was all about how children were out of control, all right? And why can't you just do what we tell you? Why can't you calm down? Why can't you use an inside voice? Like, what is going on? Right. The truth of the matter is that more than likely, that person is responding exactly how their body is telling them to. Right. We look at them and we say, oh, this person is unruly. They're not listening. They're not following directions. They're a troubled client. They're difficult. When in actuality, that person is having a traumatic response and you would be acting the exact same way if you were in that situation. Right. And, and really, when we look at trauma-informed care, which I'm not going to get too much into, but it is a treatment modality uh, used by clinicians all over the world now, and, and really one of its basic principles and, and one of the basic premises behind it is changing the question from what's wrong with you to what happened right. to you. Which just even on the surface, if you review that and think about that, it changes the tone of the conversation. It changes yes. the direction of the conversation. And it adds a level of respect that isn't there when you say, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Because that, that inspires blame. Yeah, that inspires blame or shame. Whereas what happened to you invites you into a conversation to allow you to explain what's happening. Exactly. And, and there's a big difference in how people will respond, obviously, mm -hmm. between those two questions. And and, and really, if we take trauma out completely, just, just thinking about lived experience, we are the byproduct of our experiences. Absolutely. Regardless of trauma. Absolutely. And really, that's where we should always be starting from a treatment approach, uh, from a clinical perspective. Mm -hmm. We need to get the story. Stop, stop throwing out blame. And, and rather than view people as being unruly and not following directions, let's ask more questions. Right. Yeah, I think that that's probably a generally good approach, regardless of subject matter. I think uh, we we tend to project our understanding of any given subject matter onto the sub onto the conversation instead of saying, "Well, hold on, what do you mean by that?" So that we can clarify terms. You know, going back to a, a word that we we use quite flu uh, frequently, deconstruction. That literally is the original definition of deconstruction. It's about unity of text and understanding one another on the same level or definition. You know, mm -hmm. and and so. We don't do that enough. We we are a jump to conclusion society and and we're a uh, bottom line society. So that comes back to the question of what is wrong with you? Well, mm -hmm. you're not interested in who that person is or what they've experienced. You're only interested in the bottom line. Yeah. And you sell the entire thing short when you approach from that direction. Oh, I agree. Behavior should not be the starting point for treatment. Right. Because it's a um, symptom. Correct. But again, you have to stop and realize that that's how we approach medical care in this country as well. We work from symptoms. We don't go to root causes. We just treat what we see. So it, it's not a surprise that that bleeds into how we handle mental health as well. Well, I get really pissed with the medical model, and I don't think it has any place in the mental health realm personally. Right. right. Well, it's, it's, a, it, it's a different it atmosphere been. for sure. Yeah, because again, yeah. we're 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 very fixated on a quick a quick fix. So mm -hmm. if I can just modify your behavior, then I can call that a win rather than saying, let's find out what's causing that behavior and let's deal with that and allow the behavior to resolve. Yes. And so instead of seeing it as a warning sign, we see it as the issue. And that's short sighted. Agreed. Well, let's talk about just a little bit, just here towards the end of this episode, let's mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the physiological mm -hmm. side of this. What do you know about fight, flight, or freeze? Well, we talked about that, I think, didn't we, when we were discussing um, what, what 
series was that in? I know we talked about know. that. I, it was a while back. Was it imposter yeah. syndrome? No. Well, probably. It was a while know. back. It was it was back in mid part of last year. Um, we did talk a little bit about that. But again, um, all of that is chemically induced. Uh, it's a chemically induced response in your body. And mm-hmm. so each of us handle things a little differently. So whereas I might... I might respond with a fight response in a situation. You might have a flight or a freeze response. So it has very little right. to do with the actual event itself. And it has more to do with the, the individual. So as you're saying, the physiological differences of those people, you know, coupled with their experiences, obviously, but right. Yeah. Is that typically if you are experiencing a traumatic event, whether it be episodic or long-term, mm-hmm. Right. I don't care if it's a, a, a one-off or community violence. Right. Over time, it, the experience of that trauma will put you into a fight, flight, or freeze response right. because everything gets activated. What happens and what they've discovered, and I should mention that both Michelle and I are reading a book called Body Keeps the Score, mm-hmm. and what they really uncovered is that when a person is in that state, when they are activated, uh, not only does the the amygdala, that your emotional side of your brain and what's going on there, not only does that activate, but your speech darkens Mm -hmm. uh, and you lose executive functioning. Right. Like you lose the ability to be self-aware, to evaluate, to describe what's happening to you. Do we ever wonder why people who've gone through horrible events like rape and abuse and things like that, and then you ask them what happened and they can't tell you? Right. It's literally part of what's happening in their brain when that when that fight, flight, or freeze gets activated to the point that they feel trapped. Well, it's survival instincts. Yeah. That's how we're created. That's how we're built. Yeah. Obviously, the the first or primary response is to stay alive. And so Mm -hmm. when we feel threatened, that is the automatic response. Again, as you said, it, it, it goes out of our control and our body takes over. Our brain takes over and says, I got this. Um, I'm going to keep us alive and then we'll worry about the fallout of it afterwards. Right. Then you can go back to your touchy-feely shit, but right now we're mm-hmm. going to survive. I mean, so it's basically, it's a, con- a command control situation. Yeah. Well, and let's just talk about this, that when your executive functioning is decreased, the ability to grow and change is extremely difficult. Right. Which also alludes to why people get stuck. Yeah. But but again, and then that would indicate that they stay in that place often, which is not, I don't think, a healthy place. I mean, I don't think no. we should be trapped in a, you know, in a in a uh, a scenario of constantly feeling threatened to the point of I just want to make sure I stay alive. I mean, that seems unhealthy. We don't live in a society where that should be necessary, or do we? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Maybe know, we Michelle. do. Have you looked? Have you looked around? <laughs> just gotta look out the window occasionally. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of bad shit. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just kind of not look at 2020. Yeah. Let's because not go there. If you look at 2020, you might think even the beginning of 2021. <laughs> the whole it's a sliding it's scale, been, apparently. It's not, it's not been good. It's not, it's not been good. <laughs> well, what are some of the, as much as I don't want to say behavior, <laughs> what are some of the behavioral issues we may see? Well, I think it depends on what age we're talking about, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Um, As a small child, of course, you're going to see different kinds of behavior than you would out of an adult, although maybe not. (laughs) I've known some adults. Depends (laughs) depends on the adult. I've seen a little foot stomping. No. (laughs) No, but, you know, I think we kind of write that off in children as just, as you know, as you said earlier, poor behavior. Why Why can't that person control their child? You know, when possibly that child is exhibiting signs of having some kind of trauma reaction. You know, right. um, they can be angry. They can throw temper tantrums, hitting all kinds of biting. I know that small children have trouble with biting. 
So now again, as you're an adult, those are typically not going to be your behavior patterns. You're going to exhibit different symptoms. Uh, it could still be anger, but maybe now it comes across as irrational anger, you know, uh, or, you know, you become, or in my case, you become very controlling. You know, mm-hmm. you, you try to control all the surroundings. Those are all ways of trying to handle what you're not understanding is happening. So what do you think? I like to divide it. Mm-hmm. I want to divide fight, flight, or freeze. Um, because I feel as if fight and flight typically present with a lot of the same behavioral, uh, I don't, what do we want to call them? Behavioral symptoms Tendencies. Um, versus a, a freeze symptoms, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so fight and flight, we're often going to see like anger, aggression, defensiveness. When we're talking about kids, throwing tantrums, name calling, constantly feeling fidgety and kind of on edge. Um, Oftentimes we'll even see sleep disturbances come along with this. But if a person is experiencing freeze, right, if they're experiencing more of the passive side of this, uh, we'll see dissociation. I need to say that again. Disassociation. There we go. Emotional numbing. I'm constantly being distracted. Difficulty focusing. And then maybe also withdrawal. Not wanting to be around others. Isolation. Right. Absolutely. I do think we have to throw a caveat here, though, because um, there was a a graphic that that you had me share in our mental uh, Facebook group. Uh Fight, flight, response uh, stuff. And if you yeah. remember the conversation, because I was one of them that said the same thing, on any given day, I can identify in any one of those zones. Yes. So these these behavior patterns that you just described, I, I can identify with quite a few of them in both fight and flight, or uh, mm. fight and flight and freeze. I can identify Pen- on those. So again, it's, it's, it's still going to be nebulous. There's still an ebb and flow to all of this. Um, there's no rigidity in what you're going to experience in, in saying, well, this is the definition. We have to allow that because we're individuals that there is going to be some ebb and flow throughout these things, but that these behaviors in and of themselves can be problematic. Now, just because you see one of these behaviors, however, doesn't mean that that person is in that mentality or has trauma. Right. It just could be that these are things that we've identified that typically go along with a trauma. And that's huge. Yeah. Because I don't want anyone to hear me say anger is automatically related right. to trauma. Right. And then we look, what happened to Trump? Yeah. Um, you know, we don't, uh, <laughs> oh again, <laughs> very subjective yes. experience yes. here, right? We can be angry. We can be defensive. We can be bossy. We can throw tantrums. We can name call. We can have difficulty with sleep without having trauma. I have all of those, so. On any given day. Do you have, like, are you trying to win an award? Yes. Because I went through, yes. like, a quote about <laughs> no, horrible things that have is, happened to people. No, my point is. you have every single I one. I do have and now every, you've got every single one no, of these. No, I'm just saying here that we all experience these things. This is yeah. a normal part of life. What I'm saying is we've all experienced them. It doesn't mean that we're trapped there or that they're necessarily this type of response. That was my point. But, yes, I am competitive. So, hello. You're winning. Have we met? <laughs> You're winning the trauma game. <laughs> oh, lucky me. <laughs> so let's, talking about the trauma game, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, we can be impacted in the present moment right. by trauma, right. in which case, I'm going to say it, we can become triggered by our environmental cues and we can become activated. But over time, there can become a lasting impact. Right. That, that's not just happening in the present moment. Long after um, a traumatic event has occurred, it, it can be reactivated at the slightest hint of danger mm-hmm. and mobilize um, stuff in our brain to secrete large amounts of stress ho- hormones, yes. which puts us right back into hyperdrive exactly. and it's as if we're right back there. It could be 20, 30 years apart from the initial event, and we are it's as if we are right back in that situation. I know I've already said that a few times in this episode, but I think repeating. it's worth repeating. Yeah, it does bear repeating. You know, uh, one of the hardest things, and I want to, eh, do I want to go here? Trauma over time changes people's perceptions 
and their imagination. Yes. When people are compulsively and constantly pulled back into the past, to the last time they felt intense involvement and deep emotions, they suffer from a failure of imagination, a loss of mental flexibility. Without imagination, there is no hope, no chance to envision a better future, no place to go, no goal to reach. Trauma can have a real impact on just our viewpoint of the world and ourselves. Absolutely. And I know that was kind of depressing, but it's true. Well, the whole subject kind of depressing. Let's just be honest. Well, yeah. <laughs> it is. It um, is indeed. But th- again, that's why we're trying to provide an overview because there is such a broad subject. We're going to have to touch on a lot of different things. So I think we have to we have to start with this understanding that yes, there's a lot of ugliness that goes along with this subject matter. And and while we could wish that wasn't true, that wouldn't be realistic. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't come across as authentic to people that are listening that are experiencing trauma because they know how this feels. Right. They're very much aware of it. So might as well mm-hmm. just say it like it is. <laughs> well, there it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, I, I do feel as if we've kind of hopped all over the place. I, I think it was a good overview. Topic of, of trauma, but we're just scratching the surface. Yeah, we really um, are. <laughs> In fact, I, I very much would like to do more talking around some of the science behind the brain. Yeah, because it's uh, actually fascinating. It is. And and specifically, if we look at the lizard brain versus yes. the wizard brain and, and how that impacts, I think that is something I really want to cover. But obviously, we don't have time to do that today. So uh, if you are interested in that, I very much want to encourage you to check out our future episodes mm-hmm. this month as we are, are really going to keep diving in mm-hmm. to provide this overview. And then for the remainder of the, now well, I don't want to say the remainder of the, I don't want to make that like no, make that commitment. But for the but near future. For the very near future, we are going to be focusing on specific things related to trauma and really looking at, at unpacking it. But as we kind of wrap this up, Michelle, what else do you think? What else would you like to add, if anything? Uh, again, I don't know. I mean, there's still so much to be said on the subject matter. I, I feel like this was a good overview. We, we've hit on a lot of the body science that goes along with it. We've talked a little bit about the emotional responses. I, I think that we've done a pretty adequate job of introducing a, a topic that's going to be very difficult for most people and doing it from a, a position of let's provide information without mm-hmm. judgment and say, we're going to get deeper into this and just hang with us because yeah. this it is going to be a bumpy ride. So yeah, it's going to be bumpy. Yeah. And one of the things I really want people to take away from this is not only information and understanding what's potentially going on um, in your own mind and in your own life and in your own body, but also talk about things that work that help. Right. Now, granted, I'm not going to talk about coping strategies today, but that is coming. Yeah, those are and down the so line. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming down the line. Uh, and if you have enjoyed this episode, uh, follow us on your favorite podcast app. We are out there on almost every platform. What else do we have to offer people, Michelle? Uh, we have, as I mentioned a minute ago, a Facebook group. Come join us. It's called Mental. And um, actually a good amount of conversation going on in there. I want to give a shout out to Aaron, who's done a fantastic job of facilitating and helping yeah. to moderate, uh, introducing topics and questions that are open to discussion. Mm-hmm. I also would like to give him props for being very genuine in his own struggle Um, Because I think that's important for people to see, which again is part of why we try to share what's going on in our lives because people need to understand that everybody has shit. It's just the way it is. So the Facebook group is a great place to, to find some, to find some camaraderie, to find some support, to ask a question. Seth, you mentioned it a little bit ago. We also have a hotline. I'm going to let you give the number because I still don't remember it. This is how bad I am. Uh oh. I thought you froze again, and then I saw your lip quiver. <laughs> I think. Let me go. Hold oh, on. Oh no. <laughs> we have to we, listen. We have got to memorize this I know. number. You this would is just getting think ridiculous. This would be easy, but we just can't get it done. <laughs> Text us. Call us. Uh, let us know how you're doing, and, and also provide us any feedback or, yeah. or things you'd like to see. Maybe even in this series regarding this overview. Right. I am hoping that 
the the last episode of every series over trauma, we are going to do a lived experience uh, story. And if that is something that you would be interested in and coming on and talking about how trauma has impacted you, uh, I want you to know that we would be more than happy Absolutely. to have you. And so That'd be great. Uh, if you are, are in for that, uh, please reach out. I don't know if I can promise this this month, but I we're going to be doing multiple months yeah. of trauma. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get you, get you in. And so um, again, I want to thank you for listening. Until next time. Bye, everybody.